Welcome to a homegrown family podcast where we grow the produce and the kids. Hey everybody, welcome to a homegrown family podcast. I'm your podcast host, Joe Mettler, and today we're going to continue on with the episode previously where we talked about wintered orchard activities. Joined by my brother David here also again. Actually, we just really split the episode into two episodes to kind of break down the grapes from the apples. So this is kind of just a continuation of the previous episode where we talk about the apples and winter activities. You know, we do have the apples as well. They are very similar um, in winter activities compared to the grapes in that, you know, we got to replace the ones that die off. Um, we got to do the pruning as well. The pruning is a little bit of a different method because we have a little bit, well, a little bit different trail system. So why don't you and describe that. It's basically a four-line trellis system instead of just a one line. Yeah, so for our orchard, and this isn't by any means typical of other orchards, right? We decided to go with a dwarf variety for our rootstock that needed support. And so we decided to put up a four-line trellis, our four-wire trellis, and train the apple trees to grow parallel with the wires and prune them in that fashion that they had main branches going each direction on the main wires at those four levels to try to keep it kind of compact and like a high density planting situation. Yeah. The nice thing about those things is that you can usually harvest it on one side and then go around harvest on the other, or maybe be able to reach through the wire and go all the way down the row. You're not having to be on a ladder or a tractor loader bucket or anything like that, which we have to do for a lot of the pasture apples that we have out in the pasture. That's kind of Johnny apples to everywhere. You know, some of those we have to get up and climb them and things like that too, just to get all the apples off. But, um, so yeah, that's kind of our system there. And that kind of started in a variety of different ways, but David got some different rootstocks and he also got some school lunch granny apples that he seeded out and took them to some trees and <laughs> things. So. Just for the record, those didn't really turn out. Uh, those seeds I collected from my lunch apples in, in high school, um, you know, they grew, but obviously they were not true to type with the apple they came out of. That's something that as an adult or anyone that, you know, works in horticulture knows, uh, planting the apple seeds will not get you the variety that you took the apple from because of cross-pollination and other things going on. That's why when you see a, a variety in the store, like your Red Delicious, they're all genetically the same because they're all taken from cuttings of that original Red Delicious plant. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you think about it that way, you know. And that's why when we're talking about rootstocks, anytime you get a tree, we'll have like a different type of rootstock on the bottom to match our winter hardiness area. You know, like if you want a full tree, you'll have a certain type of rootstock. If you want a dwarf tree, you'll have a certain type of rootstock. What was that rootstock that we that we used right away, David? Was it M9 or B9 or something like that? So it was Bud 9 or B9. Bud. You know, the other things that the rootstock determines for you is your, your winter hardiness and also will uh, determine some of your disease tolerance, like the fire blight and a few other things. But those are kind of the three big things is uh, disease tolerance, cold tolerance, and uh, your height. And some some of that will also play into whether it needs support or not, being a, a dwarf or a semi-dwarf. And that all comes from the rootstock. Yes, that all comes from the rootstock. And then the alternative piece, which is, you know, the scion, what they call it, mm-hmm. is going to determine your cultivar type or the apple that grows on that tree. Right. 
unless you're David and you have what he calls a Frankenstein tree. <laughs> Go ahead and describe what this Frankenstein tree is like. So I have a uh, a bud nine rootstock that I grafted what I will call a family selection, uh, what we call the red crab. I grafted a red crab onto this bud nine rootstock and planted it in Renville. Okay, so I'm in a different growing zone, different soil type than up at the orchard. And it's it's grown pretty well. And once it got, you know, some size to it, had some nice branches on it, I decided to graft a few different varieties on there because I live in town and I only could have one or two trees. Well, a couple of varieties turned into a dozen varieties and I have a Frankenstein tree. So you can literally go over to his tree, pick a yellow apple and be like, mmm, this tastes good. And then go over to the other side of the tree and pick a red apple and be like, mmm, this tastes even better. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I can pick apples for about a month period there where I have different varieties ripe at different times and it, it's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. And so, yeah, part of the whole entire thing when the plants die, you know, I think a lot of David's granny apple tree seedlings that we started, you know, were taken down and removing out of the orchard, right? They're not quite all removed yet, I don't think. No, um, I had a couple that I had grafted something else onto them. Some of those rootstock that I grew out originally from seed do have other scion wood grafted on them that produce different apples now. But most of those trees I started from seed didn't really produce anything worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. So that was the first couple of rows, and we've kind of been putting new things in there here and there, and then we started two newer rows, which we have a certain rootstock of there. It's a mixture of a couple different rootstocks that we tried. Yeah, so we weren't sure if the Bud 9 was the right rootstock for us, and you know, if we would have done a little digger deeping, maybe we would have changed which rootstock we were using back when we started, but Bud 9 was a, a rootstock that I knew was really cold hardy, which is what I was after. You know, it, it's originally for the central Russia you know, so it's going to survive in Minnesota. Um, that was kind of the real big reason I wanted that variety. But now we are trying uh, some different rootstock from the Geneva line. So they all start with a G, and then you have a different series of numbers after that. And we selected five different varieties from the Geneva line to try. And we just wanted to see which ones perform the best in our growing area and our soil type. And they're all a little different. Like Joe said earlier, they're going to have a little different mature height, uh, maybe a little different cretaceousness, which is just, you know, how much fruit do they produce, right? Some of them uh, generally produce a little more fruit than others, and that's also dependent upon your rootstock. You know, it's only been, what, uh, two or three years since we planted those rootstock? I think we're coming but, up on year three here. Yeah, I think we're coming up on year three, and, and I had some pretty successful grafting um, onto those apple trees with, again, we did a variety of different scion wood to kind of just do a, a test. And uh, just looking at them this fall or this winter when we were pruning, you know, I think we're looking at that Geneva 935 as maybe being the one that I think looks really nice. It uh, put on a lot of growth from the scion wood, but it also didn't sucker a lot. So some of those rootstock might sucker more than others, which is another thing to pay attention to because that just means you got more pruning to do. Yep, yep. And some of the different scions that we used to graft onto those different cultivars was some of our pasture apples. Like Dave mentioned, the red crab has been a pretty good crab apple for us. You know, probably the size of a silver dollar kind of size, maybe a little bit smaller. So you have these rootstocks, and so hopefully 
we'll see how the, how the red crab performs on these different red stocks. Maybe we'll get a little bit bigger, you know, um, and things like that. So that's pretty cool. That, and we're not sure how long that red crab tree, apple tree is going to survive. You know, that's the one, as far as you know, it's the only one of its kind, right? Cause it's genetically different from whatever its mother parent plant was. And so, yeah. And then we have the campfire yellow, I think, or was it Ridge Y that we planted also or grafted onto the woodstocks with? So it was Ridge Y. Yep. And so those were the selections we made from our pasture apples to basically we wanted to save them, right? In case the pasture apple died. And we successfully did that with uh, one other tree. Uh, where that tree has since died, but we grafted it onto one or two other rootstock to save that. And uh, just for the audience's sake, I'm just going to list a couple of the scion wood that we're trying for our, our new piece there. We have a selection from uh, University of Minnesota called MN1734. It's not a named variety, but it's supposed to be pretty good cider apple. And then we have uh, fox whelp, frostbite, felin, Orleans Renette, Ashmeets Colonel, you know, that's just to name a few. But uh, I, I kind of want to put a shout out to uh, Maple Valley Orchards. That's the place where I get all my rootstock from for my pear trees, apple trees, uh, but also where I get my scion wood. And they have over 400 different varieties of apple trees there. And so, you know, if you talk to John there, he can help you out and, and figure out what you need. Uh, and that's uh, over in Wisconsin. So it's a similar type climate to us. You know, I'd encourage you to get rootstock and scion wood from somewhere that's as similar as possible to you as far as your, your growing area goes. But yeah, they got a pretty good selection for what it sounds like over there. And they have some of like, I think Ashley's kernel, like an old English type or something like that. And yeah, I think so. And they have some really cool varieties and you know, they're not, they're not all good for our growing area, but I try different things in my my Frankenstein tree in my yard, you know, things that are kind of cool, like a Pitmaston pineapple, uh, an Escapus Spitzenberg, supposed to be Thomas Jefferson's favorite apple. You know, you get cool things like that. You know, you spend four bucks on a piece of scion wood just to try something. Even if it doesn't turn out, you just cut it off a couple of years later and call it good. Yeah. <laughs> kind of circling around back here to winter activities. So, yeah, selecting, selecting what you want to grow for the next year doing that research there, ordering that stuff. At what point in time do you need to order? Like you've seen things go out of stock in certain times of the year. Yeah, what when do you got to start ordering? So just speaking to, to Maple Valley Orchard, because I don't know about a lot of other places, right? But, you know, usually they're collecting their stuff also, you know, in, in the early winter. So they generally don't have their amounts listed or anything are able to order until like December, you know, December, January, if you can get in that kind of time, time of the year to order, I'm sure they have things still available too. I'm just a little, you know, um, nervous about not being able to order stuff that I want. I usually go online as soon as I can to order things, but I know they're available. Then we order things and pruning apples. We kind of talked about that and that is just different because we prune on four different wires. But as grapes, you know, we leave a certain amount of buds and things. The apples are, we want to keep all fruiting burrs on those, don't we? Or we actually thin some of those off as well. Joe makes a very good point. Pruning grapes and pruning apple trees, drastically different. I mean, they're, they're occurring the same time of the year. But when you're looking at apple trees, you want to plan a little bit more, right? You want to be a little more careful about what you're doing. Grapes are very forgiving. You can lop 
you know, tons of growth off of those things. But in apple trees, you really only want to be removing maybe 20% of the branches or growth in a given year. Otherwise, you can do some damage to the tree, uh, affecting its winter hardiness or just survival in general. Uh, so the main thing to look for is pruning first, you know, any diseased or damaged branches that maybe they got caught by the mower or something and, you know, broke or something like that. So that's the first thing you want to do is remove anything that is diseased or injured. Second thing is to look for any branches that are kind of rubbing or crossing each other because those can become issues later. And then you're also looking for your, your growth habit that you're trying to get, right? So you want to have a, well, generally speaking, you want a nice open canopy, right? But we're kind of a little different with our wire system. So we're pruning them to go on those wires. So as a homeowner with a single tree in your backyard, going to be a little different, but general principles are the same. Going to want to remove any, any suckers or water sprouts that you have coming up from the trunk or from any of your main limbs. Those branches that grow straight up and down generally aren't very productive. However, those are really good if you want to collect scion wood to graft with yourself. So that one year of growth that's grown straight up and down, uh, nice vigorous growth works really good for uh, grafting. You know, if it's the thickness of like a, a pen or a little bit bigger, that's kind of what you want to work with. Um, but anyway, not, not talking about grafting right now, pruning. <laughs> so when you're pruning, you're going to want to make sure to look for those things first. And then, like Joe said, those fruiting spurs, they're generally not on the first year of growth or that, that year's growth. They're generally on little older wood, and you'll notice them along your branches. Make sure you leave those alone because that's what you're going to get your fruit from. Um, and then, you know, prune any forked branches, things that are sticking out, you know, in the row for us, you know, out where we're trying to mow, we're going to prune those off. And when you're pruning, make sure that you have a nice clean cut. You know, you don't want to have any jagged edges. You don't want to have the bark peeling down as you prune it or saw it off. Uh, so you want to use good tools. Uh, when we're pruning grapes, I don't really care what pruners I'm using. You know, it can be a cheapo from Menards, and I don't really care. Those things only last a year anyway. But when I'm pruning my apples, I want to use a really good pruners that's sharp, durable, and it's going to make a nice clean cut every time. And when you're pruning them, you want to make sure you leave the collar on the branches. It's going to look like a little bulge from the main branch or trunk that you're pruning next to. You want to leave that because that's going to help it heal over from that uh, cutting. Yeah, it's it's uh, you almost got to YouTube some videos, that type of thing. I think maybe I know David and I are planning to do some more pruning here coming up. I don't know if you did all the apples already, but maybe we can show a little video and attach that video to my youtube channel in which that you can listen to this podcast also on youtube so i might associate some uh different youtube videos with like a quick tutorial on how to how to prune an apple tree or a grape tree so look look forward to that here soon the university of minnesota did a pretty good job around the fargo area of doing a grafting and pruning workshop and they prune had like a community orchard there and they prune the trees there and they all stand on no trails or anything like that and we were saying that generally you don't want to prune more than 30 percent of your tree and you could look at that as like hmm i got this you know like usually i have one main branch going all the way up right well maybe it wise off at some point and you want to lop off that y so that way you have only one going straight up still and that might constitute 30 percent of your tree right off the bat just like that depending on how big it is you know when they're younger that could be an issue or you can kind of look at it and say hmm they recommend you know having five to six secondary main branches coming off your tree 
So if you have five or six of them, and you have like seven or eight, you know, I can cut off these two main ones and kind of have it rotate around so they're not like all coming off the same side and things like that. So when I prune, I kind of try to say, okay, well, there's five main branches there. And each one of those main branches or limbs, I'll take 30% of that main branch or limb, like of that area. So that way you're kind of thinning it out and things like that too. So definitely you can look up things in your area and uh, to do little tiny workshops like that. The extension services are really good at doing those types of things. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with Joe. I mean, looking at a, a video or a diagram is, is going to be the way to go to kind of understand what we were talking about. Yeah, and I think uh, we talked a lot about, oh, the different types of rootstocks and cultivars and things. But each of these, it's a lot of information in one podcast, to be honest. We probably could have broken it down into pruning and cultivar selection or something like that. But, uh, yeah, so we probably, like Dave mentioned, probably do a little bit better job. Look online, find some video on pruning. Maybe I'll find a, a, a link to post in the show notes here. If I can find a good pruning video for you guys. And then uh, find me there on YouTube. You can find me there on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you're listening to this, you've obviously found a spot where you can listen to it. <laughs> but please uh, take time to leave a rating, comments, you know, uh, leave some stars. Definitely appreciate any feedback. Definitely takes a little bit of effort and time on my part to do some of these things. And it's, it's encouraging to hear back from you guys. I uh, was talking to my aunt and uncle here the other night. and. Um, Sounds like quite a few of the Mettler clan have been listening to these. So I appreciate a shout out to all you Mettlers that are helping support this podcast and listening to this and joining in the fun. So yeah, you can also find me at homegrownfam at gmail.com and homegrownfam at Instagram. Thank you very much and uh, until next time.